Amen. All right, well, we're there in Esther chapter number 2. And, of course, on Sunday mornings, we are going through a series called For Such a Time as This. And it is really a verse-by-verse study through the book of Esther. And uh, we've preached through chapter 1. And then last week, we dealt with a little bit of chapter 1 and the first two verses of chapter 2. And we talked about King Ahasuerus, and we talked about Vashti and their separation and his remarriage. This morning, um, we're going to just kind of start where we left off last week in verse number three here. And I've entitled the sermon this morning, I've entitled this this study for this morning out of chapter two, a series of unfortunate events. And uh, back in the late 1800s, I think early 1900s, I'm, I'm not sure, uh, there was a series of children's books written called A Series of Unfortunate Events, and uh, I am not endorsing that series. I really don't know much about it. I don't know if it's good or bad or, or, or whatever, uh, but I, I, I liked the title, and I felt like the title really encapsulated uh, this chapter. Uh, I, did some, I did a real quick research on, on it and just read a, a little paragraph about it, and I know that the books are about orphans that had lost their parents in a sinister way and, uh, and bad things that happened in their lives. And it's interesting because in Esther chapter 2, we have the story of a, an orphan who has had a series of unfortunate events. And really, this is one of the major uh, struggles One of the major questions that people struggle to reconcile in the Christian life, often people will ask this question, uh, why do bad things happen to good people? And why is it that sometimes bad things happen in our lives? There are some of you here this morning who might feel like your life is a series of unfortunate events. And uh, what I want to do this morning is I want to break down this passage for you. And I'd like to give you three statements, three truths that we can learn from this chapter, things that we can learn from Mordecai and Esther that can be applied to your life for when your life feels like a series of unfortunate events. And I'd like you to notice that this chapter kind of highlights for us in the life of Esther and in the life of Mordecai this series of unfortunate events. Notice the unfortunate events in their life. If you start there in verse number three, the Bible says this, and let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom that they may gather together all the fair young virgins unto Shushan the palace, to the house of the women, unto the custody of Hegi, the king's chamberlain, keeper of the women, and let their things be for purification uh, be given them, and let the maidens which pleaseth the king be queen instead of Ashti, and the thing pleased the king, and he did so. And of course, we're going to come back to these verses here in a minute, but this is the idea that they're getting rid of Queen Vashti, and they're going to look for a new queen, And I want you to notice when we are first introduced here to Mordecai, we learn of a very unfortunate event in his life. Verse 5, the Bible says this, Now in Shushan, the palace, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shemei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite. And notice verse number 6, who had been, notice these words, carried away. Who had been carried away. What does that mean? He'd been taken He'd been kidnapped from Jerusalem with the captivity. And of course, if you've read the Bible, if you know the timeline of the Bible, you know that Nebuchadnezzar came and took the children of Israel out of their land and took them into Babylon. These books uh, of Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Daniel, these books deal with the captivity and the Jews in captivity. And here we're told that uh, Mordecai, the way that he ended up in Shushan the palace, the way that he ended up in the midst of this story of the book of Esther is because in verse 6, the Bible tells us he had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captivity, which had been, notice the words, notice what the Bible emphasizes, carried away. Not that he went there, not that he took a trip there. He'd been taken from his home. He'd been carried away with Jeconiah, the king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had, notice again the emphasis, carried away. So we see this very unfortunate event in the life of Mordecai where he's literally taken captive, taken as a slave, 
with Nebuchadnezzar, and of course uh, in Babylon, and then Darius the Mede takes over Babylon, and he's taken from there, and apparently he ends up here in Shushan the palace under the reign of Ahasuerus as a result of being kidnapped, being taken as a captive, of being taken as a prisoner of war. Then notice there's a second unfortunate event. This one has to do with our hero, or uh, I don't know, how do you say hero, uh, the female version, heroin, heroin? That's a drug, right? Uh, Something like that. We have our star here, Esther. Look at verse 7. And he, Mordecai, brought up Hadassah. Now, Hadassah is her Jewish name. That is Esther. Notice his uncle's daughter. Now, Mordecai and Esther were cousins. Esther was, the Bible tells us here that Mordecai was Esther, was, uh, it says that is Esther, his uncle's daughter. Uh, so Mordecai was not her physical father, and Mordecai was not even her uncle. It was his uncle's daughter. They are uh, cousins. But I want you to notice what it says here in verse number seven. For she, referring to Hadassah, referring to Esther, for she had neither father nor mother. Notice she was an orphan. And the maid was fair and beautiful, whom Mordecai, notice the words, when her father and mother were dead, took for his own daughter. So obviously Mordecai is older than Esther, and uh, sometimes it works out that way in families where you have a cousin that is a lot older than maybe the other cousins, and maybe in relationship it almost feels like they're an uncle or an aunt. But uh, here we have Mordecai, who's been taken captive himself, and then he has this young cousin whose parents, father and mother, are both dead. And the Bible says, when her father and mother were dead, took took for his own daughter, he raised Esther, who was left as an orphan, Uh, raised her as his own, raised her in captivity. Skip down to verse 15 just to to notice there the the relationship between Mordecai and Esther. Esther 2.15. Now when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, and we're going to come back to this in a minute, but I just want you to notice this phrase, who had taken her for his daughter. So Mordecai is raising Esther as his own, Esther is left an orphan to be raised by Mordecai, an unfortunate event in her life, while Mordecai is in captivity, an unfortunate event in his life. Then there's a third unfortunate event. Esther is forced. And there's some debate about this in the Bible. I'll give you my opinion, and you can have your own if you'd like, a different opinion. And I won't argue with you about it. But in my opinion, Esther is forced to be a marital option for the king. If you remember when Ahasuerus decides to put Vashti away and his counselors that are not very good counselors begin to give advice about how to find a new uh, wife for him. Notice in verse 3, notice the plan that they uh, come up with. In verse 3, the Bible says this, and let the king appoint officers. These are the counselors speaking to the king. Here's their plan. Let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom that they may, notice these words, gather together. Now, oftentimes when you are hear the story of Esther, you're told the story of Esther, it, it's kind of told like Esther, you know, took place in this beauty pageant. It's kind of told like, you know, it's Miss Persia pageant. And uh, all these young ladies come and they're, they go through this uh, 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 contest to see who will become the queen. But I want you to notice that the Bible says that they gathered together. It's not like they asked for volunteers. It's not like they put out flyers and said, come and, uh, you know, you can uh, try out for this. The Bible says that they may gather together all the fair young virgins unto Shushan the palace, to the house of the women, unto, notice these words, the custody. Custody. What does the word custody mean? It means to be under the care of. It means to be under the protection of. 
It also means to be under the imprisonment of. Some of you are familiar with that term. Some of you have been in custody before with, you know, uh, nice jewelry around your wrists. And here the Bible says, unto the custody, and again, I'm just pointing out to you, this is my, my opinion, the word custody does not lean itself towards, this is a volunteer thing. They are being taken and put under guard. Unto the custody of Higi, the king's chamberlain, notice this word, keeper of the women. What's a keeper? It is a guard. And some people could make the argument, well, they're being put under custody and they're put put under guard for their protection. And I'm sure that's true. But I also believe that it is because they are being forced into this. Notice verse 4. And let the maidens which pleaseth the king, this this is the plan, be queen instead of Ashti, and the thing pleased the king, and he did so. Notice the implementation of this plan. Look at verse 8. Esther chapter 2 and verse 8. So it came to pass. Because in verses 3 and 4, we just hear the counselors telling those, tell, giving the advice. Here's what we should do. In verse 8, here's what they did. So it came to pass when the king's commandment and his decree was heard. And when many maidens were, notice the words again, were gathered together unto Shushan the palace to the, notice the word again, custody of Haggai, and that Esther, notice the words, was brought. Not she came, not she volunteered, not she tried out. Esther was brought also unto the king's house to the, notice the word, custody of Haggai, keeper of the women. And what we see in the story is this series of unfortunate events that, out, that plays out in the life of Mordecai and Esther. Mordecai is taken captive. Esther's parents um, die. We're not sure how they die. The Bible doesn't tell us. It would uh, probably seem to me that they probably died uh, as a result of the uh, captivity and Nebuchadnezzar beseeching the, the, the uh, southern kingdom of uh, Jerusalem. And now in captivity, Mordecai has to take his very young cousin, and who's now an orphan, and raise her as his own. And he loves her very much. And we'll see that through this book. He cares for her very much. But then this decree goes out, and there is no option given. These young, fair virgins are gathered together, put under guard, taken into custody to be a potential match for the king. A series of unfortunate events. Now, here's what's interesting, and we're there in Esther chapter 2, and I'd like you to just flip over to chapter 4 if you would. I'd like you to notice that this series of unfortunate events brought Esther to the kingdom. In Esther chapter 4 and verse 14, we find probably the most popular verse in this entire book. It is spoken by Mordecai. And it is at a point when Esther has already been chosen as the queen. She already has a position in the kingdom. And now it becomes very clear that the children, the Jews, are, 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 are uh, uh, in danger a villain, which we will see in the next sermon, arises and tries to destroy the Jews. And Mordecai is pleading with Esther to use her position, to use her place in the kingdom, to be used by God to bring deliverance to her people. Esther chapter 4, look at verse 14. The Bible says this, For if thou altogether, and this is Mordecai speaking to Esther, he says, For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou thy father's house shall be destroyed. Then I want you to notice what Mordecai says. And look, you and I read these verses and we just look at them as nice verses and we look at them as, as, you know, uh, uh, these very famous words that Mordecai says in the book of Esther. But I want you to realize when Mordecai says these words, there's a lot of history behind it. There's a lot of emotion behind it. There's a lot of context behind it. Because Mordecai says to Esther, he says, and who knoweth whether... And notice, this is not a statement of faith. He's not saying, Esther, I know for a fact that this is why. But he says, who knoweth whether? He says, who knows? Maybe, Esther, maybe thou art come to the kingdom. And again, 
You and I read that and we say, yes, Esther was brought to the kingdom to rescue her people. But when Mordecai says, who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom? The history behind that, the context behind that, the idea behind that is Esther, Esther, maybe, just maybe, we were taken into captivity taken from our home and kidnapped from our family. Maybe, just maybe, your parents died or were killed or as as something happened where they were taken from you and and you were forced to be raised by an older cousin who brought you to Babylon or was taken with you to Babylon and ended up in Shushan the palace. And then maybe, just maybe, you were taken from my arms and kidnapped from my arms and put into this plan and you were chosen, he says, and who knoweth whether thou are come to the kingdom he says for such a time as this and it was a series of unfortunate events that brought Esther to the kingdom I'd like to give you just a few truths for you to just kind of think about and these are statements they're not points so I'll repeat them because they're a little long and you can write these down on the back of your course of the week uh, there's a place for you to take some notes I could just jot these down number one In this series of unfortunate events, we find that every trial in your life, that every trial in your life may be a stepping stone toward the direction that God needs you to go, a direction you probably would not have otherwise gone. Let me say it again. You ever stop to think that maybe the series of unfortunate events that have surrounded your life Maybe the bad things, the way you were raised, the place you were raised, how you were raised, how you've been treated, the things that have happened with your health, with your career, in your relationships, in your marriage, with your children. Have you ever stopped to think that maybe, just maybe, every trial in your life was a stepping stone towards a direction that God needed you to go, a direction that you probably would not have otherwise gone? I mean, we see here in the life of of Mordecai and Esther all these trials and these unfortunate events, but they come to the place where they realize, maybe, maybe, who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? There's a lot of overlap, a lot of similarity between Esther and another captive before the captivity by the name of Joseph. If you remember, Joseph was also brought to the kingdom. If you remember, Joseph was also put in a position by the king in order to rescue his family and his people. And how is it exactly that Joseph found himself there? Did he apply for a job and he got accepted and he just got promoted and and he got the job? No. What was it that brought Joseph to Egypt? It was his brothers selling him as a slave because they hated him. It was being purchased as a slave at the hands of Potiphar and then having Potiphar's wife lie about him, lie about him and get him thrown in prison. It was the fact that in prison he helped people who forgot about him until they needed him and then brought him in the presence of Pharaoh. It was a series of unfortunate events that brought Joseph to the place where God needed him. It was a series of unfortunate events that brought Esther to the place where God needed her. And if you were honest and if I were honest and if, we, if I gave you the mic and there's many of you in this room who could stand up and tell the story that it really was a series of unfortunate events that led you to be saved. Amen. That led you to this place. That led you to salvation and sanctification. And, and, and sometimes we wrestle this with this and we even throw it back in the face of God and say, why do bad things happen? And why did I have to be raised that way? And why did I have to go through that? And why did you allow that into my life? And why did my parents have to die? And why did I have to be brought into captivity? And why, God, would you allow that? But have you ever stopped to think, That maybe every trial in your life was a stepping stone towards a direction that God needed you to go, a direction that if you and I were honest, we probably would not have gone otherwise. Mordecai says, And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? I said, number one, 
in the story of series, the series of unfortunate events we find. That every trial in your life may be a stepping stone toward the direction that God needs you to go. Joseph, Esther, Mordecai. A direction you probably would not have otherwise gone. But I think you notice the second truth in this story. Notice verse 9. And the maiden pleased him. This is Esther. She's been taken into captivity. She's under the custody. She's under a keeper. And notice what the Bible says about this young lady. And the maiden pleased him, her keeper. And she obtained kindness of him. And he speedily gave her her things for purification with such things as belonged to her and seven maidens which were meet to be given her out of the king's house. Notice these words. And he preferred her and her maids unto the best place of the house of the women. Notice that when Esther is taken into captivity, she finds favor. She is preferred, her and her maids, unto the best place. Look at verse 15. Now when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her for his daughter, was come to go into the king, she required nothing but what Haggai, the king's chamberlain, the keeper of the women, appointed. Notice his words. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all them that looked upon her. Here, she's somewhere she doesn't want to be. She's somewhere she did not volunteer for. She's somewhere, she, she in her mind, you know, in, in, in Esther's mind, she's probably thinking, you know, why did my parents have to die? And why did I have to be brought here? Why did I have to be taken here but even there the bible says that she obtained favor in the sight of all of them that looked upon her so esther was taken unto the king of hazarus into the house royal in the 10th month which is the month tebeth in the seventh year of his reign notice verse 17 and the king loved esther above all the women and she obtained notice these words grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her and made her queen instead of Vashti. Go with me, if you would. Keep your place right there in Esther chapter 2. That's obviously our text. Go with me, if you would, to Genesis 39. Genesis 39. I told you that there's this correlation, this overlap, these uh, uh, similarities between uh, Joseph and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and Esther. And in Genesis 39... I'd like you to notice what the Bible says about Joseph when Joseph was in captivity. When Joseph was taken away from his parents. When Joseph was forced to be somewhere he did not want to be. Genesis 39 and verse 21, the Bible says this, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. Notice these words. Notice how, doesn't this sound like Esther? And gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of his prison. We won't take the time to go there, but you can go read about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and find that they were found 10 times better. Find that they were given favor, that God had helped them during this trial. Even though he did not take them out of the trial, he helped them through the trial. And there's a second truth that we can learn here from the life of Esther. Not only that every trial in your life may be a stepping stone towards the direction that God needs you to go, a direction that you and I probably would not have otherwise gone. But here's the second truth for you this morning. And it is this, that in this series of unfortunate events, we find that God can give us, God is able to give us favor in unfavorable circumstances. Say, why doesn't God just deliver me? Why doesn't God just make it go away? Why doesn't God just take the trials and the, and the burdens and, 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 and the tribulation and, and all those things? And, and, and God would say, God would look down and say, well, here's the thing, Joseph, I need you in Egypt. Here's the thing, Esther. I'll need you in the kingdom. Sometimes God says, I can't take the trials because I need them to, uh, to be stepping stones to get you in a direction that you would not have otherwise gone. But God says, here's what I can do. I'll not only put you through the trials, but I'll go through the trials with you. And I can give you favor in unfavorable circumstances. You don't have to turn there. Proverbs 8.35 says this, For whoso findeth me findeth life and shall obtain favor. Of the Lord. Maybe you're sitting here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm living in the 
unfortunate circumstance. If you knew my home and you knew how my parents were and you, you knew how my dad was or how my mom was, if you really got to know them and they, you know, let you see, you, you would realize that this is not a good situation. And here's all I can tell you. Here's all I can say is God can give you favor in unfavorable circumstances. Amen. You say, Pastor, if you knew my work environment right now, I mean, I don't have another choice. Uh, you know, things have just kind of closed up around me in the economy and, and, and coronavirus and this and that, and I feel like I've kind of been forced to take this place or this position. If you, if you understood, though, if you understood, if you, Pastor, if you understood my marriage, if you understood how my husband really was and he acts one way at church and another way at home and if you understood or if you understood my wife and you understood, you know, what she's dealing with and what she's putting me through. And look, here's all I'm telling you. You may be going through something difficult and something hard. You may be somewhere where you're just kind of wondering and scratching your head and saying, God, why are you allowing this? And I don't know why God is allowing it. I can tell you this. He's probably moving you in a direction you need to go. And I can tell you this that God is able to give you favor in unfavorable circumstances. God can give you grace, and God can give you strength, and God can help you get through it, Esther. We see Joseph in prison, prospering in prison. How do you do that? We see Esther in captivity, prospering in captivity. How do you do that? Because God is able to give us favor. In unfavorable circumstances. Go back to Esther chapter 2 if you would. We're looking at this story of Esther and Mordecai. This series of unfortunate events in their lives. We see Mordecai taken into captivity. We see Esther's parents who have died. Left an orphan. Having to be raised by her older cousin. Who's then taken from him. And forced into this program for choosing a queen. We see that in this series of unfortunate events, we find that every trial in your life may be a stepping stone towards the direction that God needs you to go. A direction that you probably would not have otherwise gone. We see in this series of unfortunate events that God can give us and is able to give us, though he may not deliver us, he is able to give us favor and unfavorable circumstances. When I was in the military, and I don't recommend any young person go in the military. When I was in the military, and I was in the Air Force, I one of the things that I, I, I prayed under my breath every day as I walked into work, every day I prayed, Lord, give me favor with those above me and those around me. Lord, give me favor with my bosses, my sergeants, and give me favor with my coworkers. And that's something that you can pray. So you walk into work. That's something, there's some of you, you say, you know, I wish I could be homeschooled like some of these kids and just my situation, my family doesn't allow it and I'm just forced to have to go to a public school type thing and, and hopefully that's not the case for you. But you can say this as you walk into that school, Lord, give me favor. God can give you favor in unfavorable circumstances. That's not the best thing. Putting a kid in a school is not the best thing. That's not what God, God gave you parents to, raise, to be raised and educated by those parents. That's what the Bible says. This was not the best thing. This was not a good thing in Esther's life. But we see that God is able to give us favor in unfavorable circumstances. Like you noticed thirdly this morning, that bad things happened to Esther. And again, there's some debate as to what exactly it is that is happening in this chapter. I'll give you my thoughts on it. But I want you to know that my thoughts on it are that what's happening here to Esther is not good. What's happening here to Esther, see, sometimes we tell the story and we're like, oh, it's like a beauty pageant and they all go and Esther wins and they put the t crown on her and she becomes the queen and she has a parade and waves and to some extent that's true but I want you to notice what the Bible says in verse number three and let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom that they may gather together all the fair young virgins notice the only girls chosen as potential queens for the king were fair young virgins 
nice looking, young, pure girls unto Shushan the palace. And they were to deliver these girls to the house of the women, I want you to make note of that, unto the custody under the protection and imprisonment of Higi, the king's chamberlain, keeper of the women, and let their things for purification be given them. Notice verse 4. And let the maiden, and I won't take the time to develop this this morning, but the word maiden, I think we talked about it last week, the word maiden and the word virgin are used interchangeably in the Bible. They mean the same thing. And let the maiden, the virgin, which pleaseth the king, be queen, instead of Vashti. And the thing pleased the king. And he did so. He thought, okay, this is a good idea. Let's gather all the fair young virgins, and whatever young virgin pleases the king, then she'll be queen instead of Ashti. Now, if that's all we had, verses 3 and 4, and that's all that happened, then maybe we could say it's some sort of a beauty pageant, some sort of a contest where a queen is being chosen. But I want you to notice that that's not exactly what the Bible says. Look at verse 8. So it came to pass when the king's commandment and his decree was heard, and when many maidens... Many fair young virgins were gathered together into Shushan the palace. Notice again, to the custody of Haggai that Esther was brought also unto the king's house to the custody of Haggai, keeper of the women. So notice, they gather the girls, they gather the fair young virgins, and they put them in a certain house where they'll be under guard, protected and imprisoned under the custody of Haggai, under the custody of Haggai, keeper of the women. Then what? Well, look verse 9. And the maidens pleased him. We talked about that. And she obtained kindness of him, and he sweetly gave her her things for purification, which such things as belonged to her, and seven maidens which were meet to be given her out of the king's house. And he preferred her and her maids unto the best place of the house of the women. Esther had not showed her people nor her kindred, for Mordecai had charged her that she should not show it. We'll talk more about that next week. Verse 11, and Mordecai walked every day. Notice, he's a parent here. He's an adopted parent. He's worried about his adopted daughter, uh, Esther. And Mordecai walked every day before the court of the women's house, notice, to know how Esther did. He would go every day to check in on her, and he wasn't allowed to go in, but he would, uh, he would walk uh, uh, before the court of the women's house to know how Esther did. Notice these words, and what should become of her? Again, that doesn't sound like volunteer. That doesn't sound like, like yay, we're excited. It's like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to my daughter Esther? Look at verse 12. Now when every maid's turn, remember the word maid means virgin. When every maid, when every virgin's turn was come to go in to King Ahasuerus. After that she had been 12 months according to the manner of women. For so were the days of their purification accomplished to wit six months with oil of myrrh and six months with sweet odors and with other things for the purifying of the women. And historically, we know that Persia is one of these places where a lot of these fragrances and different types of things have came out of. These girls went through a 12-month process of being prepared and 12 months seems a little much and, and I don't know that anybody really knows why it took that long and people can take guesses. If I had to take a guess, I would guess that part of the reason they had them wait that long is just to make sure none of these girls are pregnant. You can't have the king marry a queen and then find out she's pregnant. Verse 13. Then thus came every maiden. Then thus came every virgin unto the king. Whatsoever she desired was given her to go with her out of the house of the women unto the king's house. Why don't you notice these words? Verse 14. In the evening she went. So these girls were all rounded up, prepared for 12 months, and every one of them gets an opportunity to go see the king. The Bible says in verse 14, In the evening she went, and on the morrow she returned. Notice they spent the night with the king. They spent the night there. Let me just say this, you single unmarried kids, you don't need to be spending all night together. It doesn't take a genius to figure out that a bunch of kids that aren't married, just being out all hours of the night, something stupid's going to happen. 
Nothing, I remember growing up, my dad would tell us, nothing good happens in the dark. Nothing good happens at night. Christians need to be home at night. In the evening she went, and on the morrow she returned. So she leaves the custody of Haggai, keeper of the women, the house of the women, where all the virgins are. She goes in the evening, spends a night with the king, and on the morrow, notice what the Bible says, and on the morrow she returned unto the second house, a different house, not the house where all the virgins are. After they spend the night with the king, they go into the second house of the women to the custody of Sheagaz, a different keeper, a different guard, the king's chamberlain. What's the difference between the first house and the second house? Well, the first house, the first house is for the virgins. The second house is, notice, which kept the concubines. What's a concubine? I won't take the time to develop it. You can study it out on your own. But a concubine in the Bible is a slave wife, a lower class wife. They came in virgins. They left the next day concubines. Aren't you thankful that the Bible doesn't go into graphic details? But I think we can all understand what's happening here. <laughs> See, the pageant, the pageant was who's going to get to be married to the king? They all get to be married to the king. They all end up being concubines. They all end up being with him. Only one of the queen, only one of the wives will be chosen as the queen, but they will all be wives. And this shouldn't really be that hard for us to understand. I mean, even in the Bible, even Solomon, who was a good man by and large, ended up having 700 wives and 300 concubines. So a king, a very successful king, and we saw from chapter 1, a very successful king, having all these wives is, is not unheard of. She returned into the second house under the custody of Sheagaz, the king's chamberlain, which kept the concubines. She came in unto the king no more. Notice, she came in unto the king no more, except the king delighted in her and that she were called by a name. So it's not like, oh, okay, you weren't chosen. Now you get to go home. No, she goes live with the concubines for the rest of her life. And she doesn't come back to the king unless the king asks for her. But she's there in case the king wants to see her again. Because she's a concubine. You know what that means for these girls? They have one night with the king, and then they're married to a king that they're probably not going to see probably ever again. Even, even Esther, we'll see later on in this book, who's chosen the queen. She says, I haven't even seen the king in a month. Their futures are robbed from them. They don't, it's not like they get to leave this and then go and find somebody they love and marry. They will for all practicality, live as widows the rest of their life because they were chosen for this pageant where they all end up married to the king. They're all concubines. They're all slave wives. They're all second-class citizen-type wives. Only they all uh, are going to belong to the king for the rest of their lives. Just one of them will get chosen as the queen. When you realize that, you think, well, maybe I don't want to be part of this game. Maybe I don't want to be Miss Persia. Bad things happen to Esther. The Bible is a very clean book, very pure book. God doesn't go into details of these things. But when you realize that they were all kept in the house of the women, the maidens, the virgins, they spent a night with the king and now they're kept in the house of the concubines, it is clear that bad things happen to Esther. Say, well, what can we learn from this? Well, notice verse 17. And the king loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained grace and favor in the sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head, notice these words, and made her queen instead of Vashti. She was the one that was chosen. She's not a concubine. She's a queen. Verse 18. Then the king made a great feast unto all his princes and his servants. And we know how he likes feasts. Through a six-month party in the last chapter and a week-long party after that. Even Esther's feast. And he made a release to the provinces and gave gifts according to the state of the king. 
We see in this story that bad things happen to Esther. But here's what we also see in the story. That God can bring good out of bad things. I mean, we already saw it. Esther was brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. Something good came out of it. She was able to rescue her father, Mordecai, her adopted father, Mordecai. She was able to rescue her people. Here's all I'm saying. In this series of unfortunate events, we find, if you would go back to Genesis, if you would, Genesis chapter 50. In this series of unfortunate events, we find that God may not shield us from the bad. Isn't that what we want? We, just, we want God, God, just shield us from the bad. Just don't let anything bad ever happen to me. Just, just make me healthy and wealthy and wise and let me just relax all my days and let nothing bad happen to me. The problem with that is this, that it is often when we are doing well that we get away from God. So sometimes, look, God does not ordain bad things in your life. We're not Calvinists. The Bible does not teach that. God does not ordain bad in your life. Why did bad things happen to Joseph? Why did bad things happen to Esther? Why did bad things happen to you? And why did bad things happen to me? Because of sin. Because of the fallen state of sin in which we live in. Because of our personal sin and the sin in our lives. Because we reap what we sow. Because sometimes we reap what other people sow. Because you don't live on an island. Because your actions affect others. God does not ordain bad things in your life, and God does not ordain bad things in my life. God does not ordain bad and negative and evil things in our lives, but God can orchestrate good out of the bad. God is able to reclaim the bad and bring something good. Remember the overlap between Joseph and Esther? Remember all the bad things happened to Joseph? I mean, his brothers, his physical blood brothers, not like, hey, bro, like, like we live in the same house. We we're raised by the same, in the same family, brothers. Want to kill him, decide not to kill him and sell him into slavery. In slavery, he sold to Potiphar, lied about his wife. Potiphar's wife wants Joseph to commit adultery with her because he's a righteous man and a just man. He has integrity. He refuses to. She lies and says that he tried to force her, no one believes him, gets him thrown in prison for years. He's promised by the butler who he helped while in prison that he would remember him, and he's forgotten by him. Until Pharaoh has a dream. And Joseph is remembered. And Joseph is brought out. And Joseph is made the second most powerful man on earth at the time, the most powerful nation on earth at the time, the nation of Egypt. And in Genesis chapter 50, we fast forward, and I'm not preaching on the life of Joseph. That'll be a series for another day. But in Genesis chapter 50, we find Joseph's brothers now at the mercy of Joseph, the second most powerful man on earth. I want you to notice what Joseph says in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. He says, but as for you, he's not, he's not talking in general here. He's talking to the men. He's looking at the men that ruined his life. But as for you, ye thought evil against me. The word evil means hurt. You meant to hurt me. You meant to ruin me. You meant to destroy me. But as for you, ye thought evil against me. Notice what Joseph learned. But God meant it unto good. To bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. See, the, the, the lesson that we learn in this series of unfortunate events is that God, God is not going to look. We've been studying the book of Job on Wednesday night. God is not going to keep bad things from happening in your life, but God may allow those bad things into your life to get you going in a direction that you otherwise would not have gone. And God can show you favor while you're going through that difficult time and help you and strengthen you and give you grace so that you can make it through. And God can. He may not shield you from the bad but he can bring good out of the bad. We might look at others and we might look at situations and we might look at circumstances and we might look at things and say, he thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. 
to save much people alive. If you would go to Romans chapter 8, the New Testament, well-known verse, you know it. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Romans 8, 28, we find the, the life verse, probably, of Joseph and Esther. Notice what the Bible says, and we know. And we know. Here's a question I have for you. Do you know? Maybe you need to know. Maybe we need to, in faith, by faith, know. And we know that all things work together for good. Now, now, now don't, don't, don't miss it. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say all things are good. And we know that all things are good. That's not what it says. It says, and we know that all things work together for good. See, God can take the bad in your life and work it together for good. And we know that all things work together for good, not for everybody. Notice, to them that love God, Joseph, to them that love God, Mordecai, to them that love God, Esther, to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. See, in this series of unfortunate events, we find that God, God may not shield us from the bad, but can work good out of the bad in our lives. We find that God may not shield you from trials and troubles and tribulations and difficult things and difficult circumstances. God may not shield you from every bad thing in life, but we know that God can work all things together for good. Esther chapter 4, if you would. Look at verse 14. We'll finish right here. A series of unfortunate events. The series, the sermon series, is called for such a time as this. It's called for such a time as this because that is probably the most famous phrase in the book of Esther. Esther chapter 4, verse 14. We've talked about it. The most famous statement in this book made by Mordecai when he says, For thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time. Because Esther's afraid. She's afraid to talk to the king. She's afraid to make known who her people are. She's afraid to do what Mordecai believes God brought her here to do. He says, For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. Here's what he's saying. God doesn't have to use you. He could use someone else. Now, God wants to use you. God wants to use me, but God doesn't, he's not obligated to use me. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace, Esther, at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and my father's house shall be destroyed. Now, you, now who's Esther's father? Because her father is dead. But Mordecai has raised her as her as her father. He says, but thou, Esther, and thy father's house shall be destroyed. He says, Esther, if you don't do this, Esther, if you don't do this, you're going to die, and I'm going to die. We're all going to die. <laughs> and, then, and then he says, he says this, and it's such a loaded, again, such a loaded phrase. And who knoweth? Esther, maybe there was a purpose to the pain Esther, maybe there was a plan for the pain you and I have dealt with. Maybe there's a reason why I was taken into captivity. Maybe there's a reason your parents died. Maybe there's a reason you were kidnapped and chosen for this plan to be the, at best the queen and at worst a slave, a slave wife. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. In this series of unfortunate events, we find that every trial in your life may be a stepping stone towards the direction that God needs you to go. 
a direction that you probably would not have otherwise gone. In this series of unfortunate events, we find that God can give you and is able to give you favor. He may not deliver you from the difficult circumstances, but he can give you favor in unfavorable circumstances and help you through the difficult times. And in this series of unfortunate events, we find that God may not shield us from all the bad things in our life, but we know that God can work good out of the bad in our lives. To them that love him, to them that are the called according to his purpose. So here's all I'm saying. Your life may sound like the manuscript of a book called A Series of Unfortunate Events. But there may be purpose to the pain. There may be a plan in that purpose. And God can work something good out of the bad. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the story of Esther. Lord, I can only imagine the pain, the tears, the heartache, the unanswered questions that Esther had, the unanswered questions that Mordecai had, the unanswered questions that Joseph had and Daniel had and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego had and and Job had and Paul had and sometimes we have. Lord, help us to realize that there is a purpose to the pain. There is a plan with that purpose. Help us to always trust you. Help us to know, like Paul said, that all things work together for good. Lord, help us to believe that. Help us to walk in that direction. Help us when we find ourselves in difficult situations to rely on the favor that you can give us to do unfavorable circumstances. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Whenever the mat come up and lead us.